Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again bringing you the Word of God. Again, it's always an honor, always a privilege to bring you the Word. Praise God. I'm so grateful that you're connecting with us, whether it's by Roku, Vimeo, uh, podcasts on our website. Either way, we're just grateful to have you uh, connect with us. So uh, today, once again, we're going back into Ephesians chapter 3, please. We're talking again about limiting, or pardon me, eliminating limits in our life. Praise God. Amen. So chapter 3, verse 14, I'll just go ahead and read our, our text. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, of course, we focused a little bit more on that last week. Uh, may be able then to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, or pardon me, what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge or surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, and that's kind of the bottom line here, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 20, a key verse, right? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, <clears throat> according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. Now, uh, again, we've uh, been talking about uh, eliminating limits in our life. And last week we talked about uh, the importance of knowing love and believing in that love. And as a result of it, praise God. Amen. It drives out fear. Amen. Because a lot of the limits that happen in our life are based on uh, fear-based thoughts. All right. And we really kind of focused on that last week. Today, I'm going to talk some more about, uh, you know, taking authority over our thought life. Uh, but again, let's, let's define some things in verse 20 here, because it is definitely the key verse. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So let's, let's define it again. I know we've done that every week. Let's do it again. It's the word able to do here is duname, okay, which means to be able or possible to do. To be able or possible to do. It means to be of power to do, all right? So in other words, it's talking about an unlimited uh, source here. In other words, God is able, right? He's unlimited, all right? That's what it's talking about. Exceedingly abundantly here, which actually is into one word, parisos, okay? That's uh, the Greek word there, and it means superabundant or superabundantly. It means beyond measure or even more, okay? And then the word above all is hooper, okay, is the Greek word which means over and above, beyond all, superior to, more or higher than. So when you start putting all this together, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Now what you're seeing there is just absolutely in God, there's no, no limits. See, there's no limits in God. Okay, where the limits start now is, is into the next part of this verse, okay? And uh, so it says here, uh, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, but here we go, according to the power that's at work within you or me, okay, within us, okay? 
Now, the word power is dunamis, okay, a common word, but it means miraculous power. It means ability, or here we go, to be possible force. I like that, a to be possible force, all right, or existing impossibility. The reason I kind of stress on that is because it says it's according to the power that's working in you or me, praise God. And the word work, energeo, which we get our word energy, it just means to be actively working or efficiently working, amen, or uh, effectually operative, okay? But the bottom line is this, that there are no limits in God. Where the limits happen, it's based on what's working in you or me. That's where the limits begin to happen here. Okay, so there is power, that to-be-possible force, which is active or working in you or me. So depending on what's working, it depends on what's possible, okay, which is uh, kind of, uh, you know, we hate to talk it that way, but that's just kind of how it comes down. In him, there's no limits, but now we start bringing it down to what's working in you and me. That's where all these limits begin to happen, okay? Now, the... Verses that I like to look at just to kind of, you know, maybe just kind of set in stone uh, the fact that there's no limits in God. You have verses like Luke 1 and 37, and it brings out that in God there nothing's impossible. I believe it's how it's worded. For with God, it says, for with God nothing will be impossible. Luke 18 and verse 27 says this, that even the things which are impossible with men are not impossible with God. All right? Jesus said this in, in uh, Mark 9 and verse 23, uh, if you can believe all things are possible, here we go, to him who believes. In other words, what's working in you? Because it's going to be according to what's working in you. What can you believe? Where can you attach your believing? Where can you attach your faith to? Praise God. Because that's what's going to happen here, that, or that's what's going to determine how much is going to be working. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, the word impossible, we, uh, you know, we've defined that word uh, over the last couple weeks, and the word impossible means that which is not seen as possible or thought as not, or in other words, or let's, let's read it again. That which is not seen as possible or not thought, there we go, not thought to be uh, obtainable. All right, so that's what the word impossible. Now, the reason I, I stress that a little bit is because impossibility is based on how you see it and how you think it, which really ultimately is based more about what you think because even whatever you're seeing, you know, however you're viewing something, it still comes down to what you're thinking. So, in a roundabout way, it really just comes down to the mind. It comes down to what you're meditating on, thinking about, amen, what's, you know, stirring up there in the area of your, your thoughts. And, and so what we've done then, we've kind of began to, you know, kind of head down that road. Well, uh, you know, Colossians 3 and verse 2 just says this, you know, set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth, praise God. Now, why is that so important? Well, because the more you set your mind on things of this earth, the more you're going to have thoughts that pertain to, uh, you know, things down here, things that you can see. Come on now. You get caught up in this realm, then pretty soon that's what you're all, you know, that's what stirs in you now. So what happens is if your thoughts are not in a higher place, all right, instead they're down here, you're automatically going to be limited. Now, 
Let me just say this, you know, when you set your mind on things above, what you're tapping now is a realm of possibility. So anytime you set your mind or, you know, you have these God thoughts, come on now, you have thoughts, you know, from a higher realm, you attach your thoughts, your mind to a higher realm, then what you're attaching yourself to is to a realm of possibility, all right? When you, when you have your mind down here, where all you're just based on how you see things in the natural, how you, uh, you know, you feel, uh, you know, every, that, that, that these, this realm down here, what happens is you automatically now attach yourself, now hear me, to a realm of limits, all right, automatically. You know, I've brought this out, um, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, talking about the Word of God. The Word of God is basically a language all its own. It's a language of possibility, all right? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, like, you know, whether you're speaking English or French or something like that or Spanish or something. What we're talking about is the, the Word itself is a language of its own. It's, it's, it's a language from above, come on now, that is out of a realm of possibility. That's why you want to set your mind on the, on the higher things, which, you, Corey, includes the Word of God. You set your mind on that. What you're doing is you're attaching yourself to a higher realm. Come on now. Attach yourself to a, a language of, of potential, a language of possibility, whereas now on this earthly level, everything in the world in itself is a whole different language. It's a language of limits. Okay, and they 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 try to enforce their limits. Okay, and that's just how it works. So that's why we set our mind on higher things. Okay, Not enough said about that. I've been kind of hammering on that for the last several weeks. The reason I think it's so important, though, is uh, we never live beyond our most predominant thoughts, most predominant, most predominant, most predominant thoughts. Okay, so it's not just saying that every now and then a thought runs through your head. We're talking about these thought patterns that we kind of, you know, we kind of maintain on a day-to-day -day basis because we keep our mind more stayed on earthly things instead of heavenly things or vice versa. See, so whatever your thought, whatever your most predominant thoughts are is going to determine how you live. Now, we see that in Colossians. You see that also in Romans 8, okay, and there's other places here. But the bottom line is that's why we want to set our mind on things above attach ourselves to a realm of possibility, amen, get away from that realm of limits, all right? And let me define limits again. Really, uh, one of the quick definitions of limits means to a point and no more, to a point and no more. And so that is not how we live our lives, all right? So we're called uh, to attach ourselves to uh, uh, a realm of possibility, which means we're not shut down at a point. In other words, we can go beyond that. That's why he says he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. Come on now, no matter how big you think you can ask, how big you think you can think, come on now, amen. He can go beyond that because there are no limits in him. That's why we want to stretch our thinking and stretch Amen. Our asking, stretch our faith, praise God, our believing, praise God, to a place where we're tapping into that, that realm of possibility. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let's, uh, let's go to, I, I think what I want to do here, I want to go to a common verse, 
and then we're going to deal with the eliminating some of this, these problems. Uh, but I want to go to Jeremiah, a real common verse, and I want to make a statement. Okay, so Jeremiah, please. Uh, common text, again, Jeremiah, and we're going to go to verse 11. And uh, let's read this, and then uh, we'll move into what we have uh, for you today. Verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now let me read it again. Now look, get this. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. So obviously God has thoughts that he's thinking about you, okay? All right, so I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace. Come on now. That word peace just refers to, really it's the word shalom in the Hebrew there, but it means really uh, everything whole and complete, everything in divine order, nothing missing, nothing broken, amen, everything working and functioning like it should. So his thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil. And if you look up that word, Okay, that word evil there, it just means about every bad thing you can think of, okay? Failure, trouble, sorrow, adversity, calamity, affliction, uh, displeasure, misery, distress. I mean, all of them ugly words, right? But that's all the synonyms to this word evil. So in other words, God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of everything flowing and working, not everything, you know, being destroyed or in ruin, okay? He, his thoughts are to give you a future, a destiny, amen, a good tomorrow. That's kind of what that means. And a hope, which means an expected end or something longed for. Now, the reason I thought it was worthy of reading this verse today is because that's God's thoughts towards you. you know, now, hear me, okay? But, see, it's not really just about knowing what God thinks. You have to understand that our success in life is, is not just about how God thinks. It's about how you think. Now, of course, we want to attach our thinking to how he thinks, right? Come on now. So I'm not you know, excluding. I'm just telling you. But see, when it really comes down to it, that's God's thoughts towards you, but you may not be in line with that. You may be saying, I don't believe that. I don't think I have a future. I, uh, you know, my, uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm operating out of more evil than I am peace. I'm, I'm seeing more of the negative than the positive. And, and because of everything that you're seeing in the natural realm, you're more attached to that realm with your thinking. And so even though God's thoughts are higher thoughts, even though God's thoughts are thoughts of peace, uh, you know, and not evil, thoughts of, uh, you know, to give you a future and to give you a hope, even though that's God's thoughts, if you don't attach your thoughts to those thoughts, you'll never live there, okay? You'll still be down here in this realm, okay, because your thought life is dictating your life because you live according to your most predominant thoughts, all right? That's how it works, all right? That's why we want to have the higher thoughts. That's why we want to attach our thinking, amen, to a realm of possibility and not to a realm of impossibilities, okay, or a realm of limits, all right. Okay, a lot said right there, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
common text, but let's talk a little bit about, really about our thought life, uh, taking some authority over that and dealing with that kind of thing. Um, I think uh, this is the way we want to go today. Uh, verse 3 of chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 just says this, for though we walk in the flesh. In other words, we, you know, we operate here on earth, you know, in an earth suit, and we function in life every day. But it says even though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. In other words, our warfare isn't about, you know, doing things in the flesh, all right? But our weapons uh, for our weapons, uh, pardon me, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, all right, or fleshly again, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, okay? Now, we're going to find out here in a bit that literally those strongholds are, are really patterns of thinking is really what it comes down to because he never stopped the sentence here. He keeps moving on into verse 5, and it says this, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing, here we go, this is what it's about, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then, of course, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, a lot said in that verse, but it really comes down to this, okay? Taking authority, taking dominion over your thought life. Amen. Taking every thought captive. Now, if he says to take every thought captive, that means that you can. Otherwise, he wouldn't tell you to do it, all right? Now, you can take every thought captive. You don't have to sit and meditate on the junk. You don't have to sit and meditate on the things you don't like. You don't have to meditate on, uh, you know, all the evil things going on. You don't have to meditate on the things you uh, didn't quite go the way you wanted them to go. Instead, you could just set your mind on higher things. And that's why, you know, back in Ephesians again, you know, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think, according to the power Amen, that to-be-possible force, amen, that's working, amen, in you, praise God. So the key is to get the right things working in you. Now, the only way that's going to happen in all these things we're talking about is you got to take authority over your thought life. You've got to do it. You just can't let the enemy beat you up in the head, all right? You know, a lot of times I always, you know, use the illustration sometimes, you know, like a, a boxer on a speed bag, you know, uh, you know, he's sitting there working that. And sometimes I feel like that's how the enemy works in people's head, man. He's just, just wailing on you with thoughts that you got no business thinking on. And uh, before you know it, you know, you're, you're whipped because you've, you've allowed those thoughts to dictate and dominate. And as a result of it now, you live your life. Listen now, you conduct life. You live your life. You walk this thing out, amen, in accordance to your most uh, predominant thoughts. All right. So if you constantly see yourself as, as one who cannot accomplish or cannot do or see yourself as a loser or somebody that, that you know, can't perform or be what he's called, what happens is you begin to live according to that. Even though it may be a complete lie, you still live according to that because that's what your thought life, you know, that's the stronghold or what has been fortified, that also means, that which has been fortified in the area of your thoughts or your thinking. All right. Now, praise God. So let's define a few things. We're going to go to verse, verse 5, and I think it'd be worthy of us just kind of take some of these words and define them a little bit. You know me and taking, you know, defining, defin, you know, defining these things. Sometimes to me it, it makes the scriptures open up and we can kind of whittle at this little by little. Casting down arguments, okay? 
Well, what does that mean, you know, casting down arguments? Well, the word casting down literally means to lower with violence. I mean, so there's nothing lightweight about this. Uh, when you're talking about casting down uh, something here, pulling down, casting down, amen, it refers to being demolishing something, amen, it refers to lowering with violence, amen, to demolish or to take down in order to destroy. So when you're talking about casting down something here, he, he ain't being, this ain't some lightweight, um, you know, uh, panty waist type way of thinking here. Okay, we're talking about here, you got to get with it. If you're going to be serious about this, you got to be, you got to be pretty much in its face to get it done. Okay, uh, so we're talking about pulling down or actually the verse five here, it's casting down is how it's worded in, in the New King James. All right, casting down arguments. Well, what's arguments? Well, uh, uh, logismos, okay, where we get our word logic or whatever. But the word arguments here means computations, reasonings, imaginations. And again, it's just thought, thought ways of thinking, okay, or thoughts, all right? Many times, too, uh, what's included in that can be even um, uh, the Scripture talks about, uh, you know, uh, I think it's out of, um, I don't know if I got the reference here right, but Mark, I believe it's Mark 7. And it talks about, uh, you know, well, heck, I mean, I'll turn to it just so I don't quote it wrong and make sure I got the right reference here. I don't want to do that to you. Amen. So let's see. I think I'm just going to Mark 7. And he talks about here in verse 13, making the word of God to no effect through traditions, uh, which they've handed down uh, and, and many such things they do. Now, that's that's the verse. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that when you're talking about arguments, even a lot of times fit into that with, uh, you know, reasonings, even traditions even fit into that. Because a lot of times people, uh, you know, live life according to tradition, okay? Now, not that all tradition's bad. I don't want anybody to think that because that's not our point in that. But it just comes down to this. Um, we got to be willing to understand that we're, if we're going we're gonna to move forward in God where we're going to live in that realm of possibility there are certain things in some of these, in, in certain reasonings and uh, these arguments, this, uh, you know, computations, imaginations, uh, traditions, thoughts, all of these things sometimes can be limiting thoughts. It can lock you down, not let you move forward or to grow or to increase or to, to uh, you know, your faith can't reach beyond, you know, where you're at, okay? So it becomes really a chokehold in a lot of ways. Um, and again, I guess I could have probably spent a lot more time on that, but a lot of these things, they become chokeholds, all right? Even in this word arguments, one of its synonyms is imaginations. Uh, sometimes we, we let our mind, you know, imagine some things, and, and, and that's God designed the imagination, and it should work for you, not against you. But when we mention imaginations, a lot of people get kind of weirded out by it because most people in their imagination probably ain't doing what's right with it. So what happens is we assume then when we're talking about imagination, it's always going to be bad. Now, of course, in context, he's talking about things that are wrong in the area of arguments, imaginations, reasonings, traditions, you know, these thoughts that are off. Amen. So we are definitely in this text talking about the things in these areas that are off. Okay. Not right. They're limiting. So, First off, we got to be willing to lower with violence or to cast down to destroy in order to destroy, to cast down in order to destroy. 
amen, to take it out, amen. Well, there's different ways of doing that. Well, first off, you know, you've got to get serious about it, okay? Because even when you get down here into verse 6, it talks about, you know, and being ready uh, to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What does that mean? Well, it's talking about when you made a decision to do this and to do what's right concerning these thoughts, concerning these arguments, these reasonings, okay? These things that are trying to limit you. When you make a decision to bring it down, you got to be seriousness, serious enough with it that even when that thing tries to raise its ugly head again, you got to be quick to do it again. So when we're talking about casting down to lower with violence, to, to, to bring down in order to destroy, then you got to be serious enough that every time you say, all right, I'm taking that thought down, I refuse to meditate on that, and you got to be willing to keep doing that until that sucker stays down, praise God. Whatever it is, to whatever degree it is, however long it is, amen, but you got to be willing to do it. If you don't do it, it still dictates. And even though you're saying God's able to do all kinds of great things, God is unlimited, what happens is we've automatically limited God because of our own way of thinking, because we're not getting serious enough about eliminating the thoughts that are limiting. All right, taking authority over those thoughts that cause chokeholds in our life that put a lid, so to speak, on areas of our life. God's trying to, you know, take you up higher, but you you put a lid, all right, a chokehold in something. And even though God's trying to get you to think beyond that or above that, we got a chokehold or a lid there, a limit, come on, to a point and no more, all based on the fact that we don't take authority over our thought life, all right? So it talks about casting down arguments. Then it says, amen, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, every high thing. So what does that mean? Well, the word high thing means elevated place or thing, altitude, height, Okay, but here we go. But by implication refers to a barrier or a lid. Again, okay, this word was talking about every high thing that tries to exalt itself, okay, against, see, the knowledge or the ways or the thinking, amen, the thoughts of God. In other words, God's thinking way up here, but there's things that try to create a lid. All right, so what happens is you're trying to, you know, you want to think up here in a realm of possibility, but these, these high things that are up that try to lid you, try to hold you in a place, all right, and they've locked you down all because of, you know, thoughts, all right, all because of thoughts. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, amen, literally means to bring under control, amen, to the obedience, amen, of Christ. In other words, bring it into right way of thinking. But again, all of this is just talking about getting serious about taking authority over how you think, all right? Now, it's amazing. Um, you know, you, you know, we all are born and raised and, you know, we grow up in certain households and Everybody has kind of a pattern of thinking and, and uh, you know, you kind of, you know, in a sense inherit that. And in a sense, you know, as you grow and mature, little other things begin to plug into that. Maybe you go to school and 
certain things go on there and, you know, you, you move forward and you're, you know, you got jobs and you end up with a group of uh, individuals maybe at a workplace and, and little by little, all this stuff is plugging into you. And if you don't guard what you think about, what you meditate on, pretty soon everybody else determines what you're going to think about. In other words, if you don't take every thought captive, it'll take you captive. And that's how the enemy's trying to do it because he knows if he can take you captive in the area of your thought life, all right, then he's taken captive your life because you live according to your most predominant thoughts, all right? That's how this works. So that's why we want to set our mind on things above. Now, the reason I'm stressing on this is because that means then you got to get serious about some of this stuff. No, no matter what you grew up with, no matter how, uh, you know, grandpa taught it or grandma, you know, taught it, you know, it, it doesn't matter how. I mean, listen, we're not against grandma and grandpa or your parents or anything like that. We're just saying that sometimes there are things that get plugged into you that ain't necessarily from this realm of possibility. Instead, it lives down here in the realm of limits. And so what happens is it becomes now a pattern of thinking, a stronghold, amen, in your life. Amen. That's where you're at. So if you don't get serious about taking down those kind of thoughts, you will always then live right here. So even though he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think, you're limited because of what's working in you. And even though he says, my thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, it doesn't matter what he's thinking, even though his thoughts, it ain't going to matter because you're too busy thinking about yourself like this. And it creates this lid. It creates uh, this barrier. Come on now. That even though God, his thoughts towards you are way up here, you can't get to that because you're too busy believing and thinking. Come on down here. So that's why you have to say, wait a minute, I refuse to think that way. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast down that lid or that barrier, that argument, that reasoning, come on now, that, that imagination that's off, come on now, I'm going to cast down, you know, the traditions that maybe really in all honesty are just limiting things, come on now. And again, you know, we're not coming against all traditions. Some traditions are actually pretty good. All right, but some things are literal limits or barriers to your walk in God. All right, so you have to be willing to say, wait a minute, that don't line up with the book. That don't line up to the way God thinks. So I got to, you know, I got to cast that down. And, and really, to be honest, how it works is you verbalize it. I refuse to think that way. I refuse to take that thought on. And what you're doing is you're now bringing your thoughts, it says here, literally, to the obedience of Christ. In other words, I'm going to attach my thoughts to how he thinks. And then when my obedience is fulfilled, i got to be ready then. In other words, when I've done the right thing, i got to be ready to stay on that. Don't just think because I've, I cast it down one time that it's not going to come back around again you got to remember, you've created strongholds, okay? If, uh, you know, if you think poverty and lack, guess what? You'll live in poverty and lack. If you think blessed and empowered, you'll live blessed and empowered, okay? But if your thoughts are not, you know, they've created a barrier and a lid to where even though the, the blessed life is up here and you're down here thinking, 
you know, bondage and thinking captivity and thinking lack and, and poverty and all these kind of things that keep you down, down here attached to this realm of limits. What happens until you start casting that off, you can't go up into here. And even though you may say, I agree with that, but you, you won't tap it because your, your, your predominant thoughts keep you right here. So you got to get serious about it. And that's, it. that's what I'm saying. And when your obedience is fulfilled, amen, it says, what is that verse 6 again? Uh, being ready to punish, here we go, all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Being ready to, here we go again, being ready to punish all disobedience, amen, when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, I've done the right thing by saying I'm casting that down. I'm taking every thought captive, but I got to be willing to stay with it. Praise God. Amen. Now, I'm really hammering on it. I know it, and I don't mean to bore you with it all, but I'm just saying this. You got to get serious about your thought life. You got to get serious about what you're thinking, thinking about because you need to know this, that let me just say it this way. I think this would be a good way to say it, okay? And then we'll kind of take us into some other, a couple verses here before I let you go. Um, limiting thinking. Okay, I hope that made, that hope that's good English there. Limiting thinking or limit thinking, depending on which one you like there, I guess. But limit thinking does not, um, does not keep you from the love of God. Let me say it that way. You know, God's in love with you no matter what. But what limit thinking will keep you from is the life of God. Now hang on to that, okay? See, limit thinking will not, you know, keep you from the love of God, but it will keep you from the life of God, okay? Again, you'll see that if you read in Romans 8, uh, read in Ephesians 4. In fact, let's go to Ephesians 4. Let's do that. Let's do that. That'll be good. Ephesians 4, please. Back to Ephesians. <clears throat> Ephesians 4. Hope you're getting something today. Praise the Lord. Now, again, we're just kind of chipping away at this. Every week, chip away at it. Amen. The idea is to get us thinking or attached to a realm of possibility. Get away from this realm of limits. Okay? This, this uh, you, know, con, you know, containment, trying to keep us limited or contained. Okay? Uh, you know, that's you think about how the enemy works. It's, I mean, it's, it's really a... Uh, you know, it's 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 kind of, in a sense, it's a pretty powerful uh, way he does things. You know, uh, you know, he just keeps you limited up here. If he keeps you limited up here, then you, you'll never be a threat down here. All right, because you just you just you're attached to this realm. All right, instead of reaching higher into that that realm of possibility. All right. So let's look at Ephesians four. And I think for sake of time, I'm going to read verse seventeen and eighteen. And it says this: This I say, therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, of course, you got to stop and think of that. Now, if he says don't walk like, like you used to walk, the word Gentile just means he without God. In other words, he's saying, listen, you, you used to think a certain way, you used to walk a certain way, but you're not called to conduct life like that anymore. You're different now, okay? So if it says here that we're not, should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, meaning that there's a possibility you could still be walking the same way you did before you got saved, all right? So, the re okay, so it explains that, though. It says, in the uh, futility of their mind, in the futility of their mind. That word futility means depravity, 
or inutility, which means unprofitable, ineffective, incapable, amen, uh, of producing right results. Let me say it again. It means depravity or inutility, okay, which means unprofitable, ineffective, or incapable of producing right results, okay? So he's talking about here, again, of the mind, depending, listen, this is what's going to determine whether you're going to live the life you're called to live up here or you're still going to live down here like the rest of the Gentiles, in other words, those without God, how you used to think, how you used to live. He says, but if you don't change your way of thinking, see, then what happens is your way of thinking then is incapable of producing a right result. Okay? Even though you may, you know, you may, in a sense, have an agreement that all things are possible with God or have an agreement that God's thoughts toward me are, are, are good and right, amen. But if my mind is not where it needs to be, then what happens is now I'm living down here like the rest of the Gentiles, even though I'm a believer, even though I've got the greater one on the inside, even though, praise God, I'm attached to a God who has no limits, all right? But I'm still living in limits, all right? Because I won't take authority over my thoughts. Now, let's read on, okay? So let me read that verse again. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, all right? Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 18, again, having their understanding, come on, darkened, okay? The word understanding, again, that kind of comes back to that deep thought or imagination again, uh, literally means the exercise or uh, the faculty and disposition of. In other words, so it's, again, it's talking about the function of the mind, amen, the understanding, all right? But it talks about it being darkened, obscured, blurred, it means clouded or confused, okay? So again, the futility of their mind, having their understanding, in other words, their way of thinking, amen, How, come on, their most predominant thoughts are off, okay? They're darkened, okay? Now listen, in other words, they're not where they need to be. In other words, they're obscured, they're confused. They're not, they're not, you're not where you need to be in the area of thinking. This whole thing's talking about, you know, where you're at with your mind, okay? And it says this, being alienated from the life of God. That's what I was talking about earlier. That even though limit thinking does not separate you from the love of God, but it will separate you from the life of God, what the life that God has called you to. All right. Now, this word alienated literally means um, to be a non-participant. In other words, even though the life of God is available, you're a non-participant of it, all based on where your mind is. Okay. That's what he's talking about. Being alienated from the life of God. That word there literally means absolute life or abundant life, the highest quality of life. And we could just say this, a life without limits, okay? So you're separated from, you know, in other words, you're a non-participant of that life without limits. Come on, even though you have, it's all available, but you're a non-participant of it, all based on where the mind is, what you've been meditating and thinking on, where that pattern of thinking is, where those strongholds in your mind are, amen, about how you think about this and think about that. You know, God wants to meet all your needs. 
But if you think that you're never going to have and never have enough and it's always going to be short and you'll never have enough paycheck to get you to the end of the month or whatever it is your thoughts are, you'll automatically limit God. Even though, come on, even though you're called to a higher place. Okay? And I'm just saying that's just one of many areas. We could talk about God wants you well and whole physically. All right. But if all you ever think is, I, you know, I'm always going to be sick. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, got this issue and got that. You know, that's where you think all the time. Guess what? It becomes a limit. It becomes a limit. And now you're a non-participant of that life of God, that life in God without limits. You're a non-participant of it, even though it's all available, even though his thoughts towards you are thoughts of, of, of you know, of peace and not of It doesn't matter. That's where his thoughts are, but you won't attach to it because you won't take authority over your thought life, all right? Then it goes on in that verse 18, because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, that word blindness means callousness or hardness, all right? Believe it or not, it even uses the word stupidity in there, okay? But it's talking about worldly blindness to higher ways. That's what it's talking about. But I want you to look at this word right before that, the word of ignorance, okay? Because it's kind of key. Ignorance refers to just somebody unlearned or unaware or unfamiliar with, okay, or the absence of knowledge is what it refers to. But you have to understand that ignorance, ignorance, okay, is the doorway to the enemy. See, God's people, amen, I think it's out of Hosea, I believe it is, in verse 4, or chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, His people perish for a lack of knowledge. Uh, Isaiah's account of chapter 5 and verse 13 brings out that because of a lack of knowledge or lack of insight or because of ignorance is what it's talking about, amen, his people go into captivity. Isn't that sad? See, without, see, see, ignorance is a doorway for the enemy. Ignorance shuts you down. If you don't know something, it's automatically going to shut you down. So that's why you want to renew your mind to the Word of God and keep taking God's thoughts because really, as ignorance is a doorway for the enemy, uh, revelation is a doorway for God. That's why you want to be in the Word of God, renew your mind to the Word of God, take His thoughts, do everything you can to attach your way of thinking to how He thinks. Amen. And then being ready to cast down, to demolish, to remove any thought that is contrary to that. All right? This is on you. This is on me. Amen. I have to take authority over my thought life. You have to take authority over your thought life. And the only way that's going to happen is you're going to have to attach yourself to the higher way of thinking through the Word of God, meditating on the higher things. Amen. On uh, attaching yourself to a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could even ask or think. Praise God. You have to attach your way of thinking to that. Praise God. And be quick to cast down anything that's contrary to that, even if it rubs you wrong a little bit at first. That's why you got to be disciplined about it. Because again, some things are almost like embedded or they become stronghold or tradition. Come on, things that are embedded in us, our way of thinking, and you got to kind of get serious about this. Now, I said a lot today. Hopefully you had an ear to hear it. Praise God. I challenge you maybe in some of these things. Amen. I'm hoping that you're at least grabbing hold of this because the idea is to eliminate the limits. Amen. We want to attach our way of thinking 
amen, to a realm, amen, of uh, possibility, praise God, where all things are possible, praise God. That's what we want to attach to. And if we will do that, praise God, and begin to maintain those kind of thoughts, guess what? That's where you're going to live your life, praise God, in a realm of possibility, praise God. I hope you got something today. We'll see you next week with some more of this, praise God. I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.